The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. All right, just a couple of things here. Yeah. The stories here, I just, you see this one? Jerome Powell faces the lowest public confidence for, for a Fed chairman on record, Gallup says. On record? On record, yes. Wow. Public confidence in Jerome Powell's leadership for the Federal Reserve has dropped, according to a new survey. It's now at or below his predecessors as the central bank wages its war on inflation. Gallup polls showed 36% of U.S. adults say they have a great deal or a fair amount of confidence that the Federal Reserve chairman would do or recommend the right thing for the country. That's lower than Janet Yellen's 37% during her first year hmm. leading the Fed in uh, 2014. So, Well, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Look, uh, <laughs> my, my question would be, because you have to qualify all of those respondents, right, as with every poll, in, in our opinion, um, but uh, I would love to sit down and talk to him. What do you, you know, of those that give him confidence or have confidence in him? <laughs> Nobody's giving him confidence, <laughs> apparently. Um, for those that have confidence in him, that 36%, uh, my question number one would be why? Um, and, you know, what is it you're expecting him to do? Uh, what do you think he should do? Because it's everything from... Look, we need to be at 9% interest rates and really conquer inflation uh, to, and that's a little hyperbole there, to Elizabeth Warren, we need to get the interest rates back down to zero. Well, my, when I went, it wasn't that I was not interested in the story. Mm. My uh, simple analysis, (laughs) simpleton analysis on this was simply well, everybody loved him. Uh, their approval rating was like at 58, 59% uh, just a month after the onset of the COVID-19 lockdowns. His uh, confidence was at 58%, the biggest approval of any chairman since Alan Greenspan in 2024. What were we doing at the time? 
We were doing every, the Fed was doing everything that was absolutely irresponsible, keeping interest rates low, buying, uh, buying our own debt by printing money. Mm-hmm. So the public loved him when he was doing what actually got us here. Yeah. So when they should have been yeah. disappro- more more disapproving of him, they were approving of him. That was why that was my comment of going, eh, yeah, eh, it does, that it really doesn't mean anything because the public is clueless. A significant portion of the public is clueless. Yeah, I guess I started uh, far too uh, uh, far too advanced in the chain of events. But you're right; it goes back to all right. What got us here to begin with? Yeah, and why didn't people care? Look, we know Wall Street and why they don't care. Very simple. Hey, uh, you get us down to zero interest rates, man, and and people, can, you know, free money. We can borrow money. Boom, 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 boom. It's you know, the good times are here, but that can't last. Well, you you and I probably were the only two that I heard saying that back then. These interest rates won't stay low. And our friend Richard. Yes, yes. Richard yes, of yes. of permitory yes. instead of transitory. Exactly. Yeah, Richard Rosso. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Down in Houston. Yeah. For our friends down in Houston, you know you know him well. <laughs> and yeah, for those who are, you know, were actually concerned about it. Because you know, some will tell you that we overthink things. I know people in uh, my personal life will tell them, will say that about me. Well, you overthink. No, no, you actually on things like this, you need to think it all the way through because inevitably, inevitably this is going to happen. And if you've been around long enough, if you're old, then you understand historically. <laughs> you understand historically how it goes, and you know that's uh, that's some that's one thing we don't learn from look we don't learn from um the 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 recession of uh 2009 we don't learn from what got us there we well, don't learn from all this stuff uh we're we're at the point now with the the whole uh Fannie and and Freddie uh uh loan origination fees and everything else if you've got great credit and you've been working hard to maintain that great great credit or repair your bad credit and then now you've got great credit you're going to pay for somebody who has lower credit and you know those are the things that uh and you're going to pay more directly you know it's not like uh a hidden fee it's direct and it's actual policy written that way and has been effect in effect since the first of this month i mean we don't learn from these things we repeat these things over and over again, and that is the definition well, the pub- of insanity. The public was completely behind all the incredible spending for COVID. Yeah, right. Now they're not. Right. Well, that stunk. Right, right. Because uh, I got money, but inflation has hurt me a lot more. Well, right. you should have understood the consequences that were coming down. The Obama economist even warned you what was going to happen mm-hmm. uh, on this. So... Uh, again, the polling on the, like I said, when I saw the polling on the Fed share, I went, oh, so when it was all easy money, when they were actually doing the wrong mm. that helped to create the situation that we have today. Yeah. By artificially manipulating the dollar to keep interest rates extremely low so we could buy, so we could print money to buy our own debt so we could keep spending more. 
which helped to create the inflation. 58% of Americans, what a great job the Fed is doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. What a great job. Well, now the consequences. They suck. Yeah. Well, well no, that's it. The pain. Yeah. You know, uh, then it's, uh, sorry, uh, we, we don't like the pain. We're not happy with, well, the fact of the matter is that the Fed, uh, regardless of who the chair is, uh, has a long history of this type of manipulation, and it was never going to play out well. And since we're talking about the Fed, you have the numbers of what they project inflation to be here for the... Uh... Yeah, in fact, uh, those numbers coming out, uh, this is the April inflation numbers that those uh, come out later this morning. Not that, I was, not that I was too lazy to look, but I just yeah. knew you had them up on yeah, your, I have them right your here. window a little while ago. I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's... <laughs> it's, my... <laughs> it's the last over hour. I'm to too lazy in... to look. We'll head over to the inflation numbers desk with Eric. Good morning, Eric. <laughs> Good morning, Gary. I have those numbers for you. <laughs> so uh, those numbers will come out later this morning, 8.30 Eastern is when uh, they're uh, set to come out in a little over three hours. So for April, uh, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, uh, month over month, uh, 0.1, which is exactly where it was month over month uh, in March. Uh, core CPI, month over month for April, 0.4, exactly where it was. The Again, this, these are the median forecast numbers they could be they could be different but this is what the market believes uh when you put all those numbers together uh from the forecasters uh exactly where that was as well the previous month cpi year over year five percent uh and uh cpi core cpi year over year 5.5 that one is the only one uh on the list of median forecasts that is slightly different than the previous month. The previous month was 5.6, but that's still pretty hot for core inflation if it comes in at 5.5%. Um, we'll see where it does come in here again in a few hours, but uh, those are the things that, again, for the average person, uh, if you're not following these numbers, you've already, this is the stuff you already bought. You, you paid for this in April. Mm -hmm. You already know that, and we talked about Again, the cumulative effect of inflation when you look at year over year. And that inflation was on the rise and had been on the rise for quite some time uh, this time last year, uh, in April of last year. So you add that inflation, that 5.5% on top of that inflation uh, year over year from, from last April. Um, and this is where we look at the cost of goods and, and where we are. Uh, you see a number of things that are that that come down. Um, I think you and I had a conversation briefly on the air, but also off the air about diesel prices coming down uh, right now. The national average just over four dollars a gallon. I think it's four oh four a gallon is what I saw uh, yesterday um, for the national uh, average price of diesel. Uh, it's lower in some areas, but there is a demand drop that has been going on for quite a while the trucking industry looking at that as the trucking industry is the greatest consumer in terms of industry of diesel uh and you see that and that's why people point again to a recession and those are some of those leading economic indicators of a recession but uh we'll see those inflation numbers for april here in a few hours i just i decided just to check the atlanta fed for the second quarter what do mm. you think they're showing mm. Oh, for uh, 
Uh, GDP growth. GDP growth for the second quarter. And we're, yeah. or it was, uh, was it 1-1 one, one the first quarter or the first? Yeah, I forget. I forgot what it actually, was. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was a, it was a little over 1%, I know that. Yeah. 2-7. They're at 2-7 now? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well, because I just look, I, the thing I is, wish everybody could just see the look on your face like, okay, I've got a heck of a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my first question is, uh, because they update their, their forecast, their forecast now, uh, GDP now forecast, rather, is they'll update it when certain reports come out. And they'll say, okay. Right. And so there are wild swings along the there way. There are wild swings. And I know what you're thinking is, what are they smoking? Well, right? That was one of your thoughts. Right? What are they smoking while while reading which reports? <laughs> yes. Right? What, are what they, data are they looking at? And, and the thing is, is that I don't like that model simply because it really is like walking into a room. What do you think now? Okay, we're out. And then you come back five minutes later. Hey, what do you think? Oh, we're back on. No, we're in, and I and I think at times they they take certain indicators in a vacuum. You know where well, it, that, it, where where I mean they're just looking. Yeah, at, I might argue they're, they're that looking. they take every one of those indicators in a vacuum uh, because and, and, I don't know that they extrapolate that out. They just right. isolate it to they really are in the bubble of today. <laughs> well, no, and and we're not just being again this isn't it's part some, of their model some might say well you guys are being partisan here because you don't want the gdp to go up no we've looked at their wide swings and we've seen them gone yeah go a point and a half in two weeks right yeah, and it's yeah. like well maybe you, you can't do that i mean you're you're you have to be taking i may be wrong on this mm-hmm. but my i've just everything tells me that you cannot be looking because you can see the other numbers, the other projections are much lower. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they're taking into account all you know all the different variables, and it's almost as if they're just looking at this new report came out, so we're going to give it much more credibility than it deserves and forget other indicators over here because you just should not have that kind of wild swing. I, I that don't. They have. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't wrap my head around a a uh, a business, not a business model, but a forecast model. Um, from the Atlanta Fed. Keep in mind, it's from the Atlanta Fed uh, that has such wild swings and seems to live in the bubble of today. I understand that you update it based on learning new things. Right. Yeah. But but my question would be, well, then why go to the extent of the forecast? Because the forecast is nothing. It's like, it, it, it would be like what, with weather... Listen, uh, we don't expect any rain today. And then during the break, the weather guy goes out, you know, goes outside and it's raining. Hey, listen, we're expecting rain today. And it, it just doesn't. It uh, They will tell you when you go to their website, they will tell you, look, it's not really like a forecast. Well, then don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, because it's not it's not a, a running daily poll. Right. My 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 question my question would be then what is the purpose? <laughs> Go back to planes, trains and automobiles. Yeah. Have a point. 86690 red eye. This week, USDA begins its usual seasonal reporting on the condition of the nation's pastures and rangelands and of course after a couple of years of drought 
we're still seeing some impacts as we start the season. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey's first look at pasture conditions shows 37% of the country reporting very poor to poor pasture and rangeland conditions. Now that may seem like a high percentage of low quality pastures and rangelands, and it is, but 37% compared to this time one year ago? That's a 15 percentage point improvement. And looking at the percent of grazing lands rated in good to excellent shape this week. 33% is the national number. That is up 11 percentage points from last year's 22% at this time. So we're starting the season in better shape overall, but many of the Plain states still in bad shape, led by Nebraska with 68% of pastures and rangelands rated poor to very poor there. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com and use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Front Radio, I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. So you have breaking news about an upcoming commencement speech? Yeah. Vice President Kamala Harris will deliver the commencement speech at the West Point Military Academy this month. The first woman to do so. The topic will be unnecessary, unnecessary redundancy. Yes. I uh, how to eliminate unnecessary redundancy in the military. This moment, this this moment in time, we must remember this moment and be unbound by this moment or any other moment of moments. Let this be the moment of moment as we make room in our lives for more moments, and in just a moment. 
I was going to say I can't wait to hear it, but I I can. <laughs> I, I can wait forever to hear that. I, I I can see whoever whoever writes the speech. Oh man, you must not. Yeah, don't, get off the teleprompter. Don't, don't vary from the script at all. Don't vary from the script at all. And try not to laugh, please. <sighs> Are they putting her in positions to automatically fail? Are they putting her in positions where she will be an embarrassment, or are they trying to give her a much higher profile? One thing that we find very interesting about this administration as a whole, there seems to be no self-awareness that it doesn't do any good to appear and then not take any questions for the president Mm -hmm. or take one question and answer it from a distance, and then when the follow-up comes, turn around and walk away. For some reason, they continue to do that, believing that it's a good thing, the same with having her out there. When you have her out there, the chance of word salad mm-hmm. is extremely high. Because the commencement speech right. goes on for a bit. Yes. And so I'm I'm amazed. You know, one of the things, the narrative again today, well, it's, it's a lot of times it is, but uh, we went after uh, both the left and right today is uh, – when you seem to have no self-awareness. Yeah, right. And there seems to be no self-awareness in this administration. What doesn't work? Right. Having Putting Corrine Jean-Pierre out there, I'd cut her time in half. Yeah. But they believe that putting her out there every day somehow helps sell the message when it does the exact opposite. Yep. Basket Cases, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And we're not. <laughs> that was hurtful. <laughs> I cried. Does he, does he know he's causing pain? <laughs> he triggered me. I'm triggered. Uh, all right. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Audio after the first meeting on... Uh, raising the debt limit yesterday between Biden and Kevin McCarthy. Here's the president. I might know parenthetically, in my first two years, I reduced the debt by $1.7 trillion. Okay, if we all know that is not true. <laughs> Maybe he was referring to family debt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I think Hunter still owes the $2 million. It wasn't a grant, it was a loan. So it has been increased by $2 million. Uh, here's, uh, Speaker, uh, here's Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who was uh, taking questions. What are the odds of default now after this meeting, and what happens next? Well, the House made sure we wouldn't have default because we raised the debt limit. Now, the Senate hasn't done anything. 
Well, the Senate hasn't done anything. That would come down really to Chuck Schumer and the president. The House made sure we wouldn't default. We are ones who raised the debt limit. We've sent it to the Senate. We've sat with the president. I've tried to for 97 days. He's had said no. I think the only reason we are actually here today is because we passed something. But I hope you only got about two more weeks to try to get this done. And they will meet again on uh, on Friday to discuss it. I did see where the question uh, was uh, was asked to him, to him about uh, the, uh, the the president and, and talking about the cuts, yeah. you know, to veterans benefits, which mm. uh, McCarthy has said a few times. That's a lie. Quit saying it. And Kareem Jean-Pierre said it yesterday again. And apparently he said uh, that he told the president that was a lie and then asked to be more specific. He said, yeah, I told him it was a lie, but I did not say he's a liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what you are telling me right now is a lie. Does that make but me a liar? No. I, I can't no, say, I didn't say that. I, can, I, I, can, yeah, I can't I say what that makes you. I, I don't. I... <laughs> now, now, the interesting thing when you actually delve into it, well, one of the interesting things is a ton of things, but when. McCarthy's talking about the fact that the Senate did nothing. And you think about it, why did the Senate do nothing? Why wouldn't the Senate do anything? Why wouldn't they just sit there and say, okay, let's participate in this in this process? Well, because in order to do so, in order to get something passed, they would have had to agree with the president and just put out a clean bill. We raise the debt limit and nothing is attached to it. Well, the problem is... I don't believe they have the votes. That's why they didn't do it. They hmm. didn't do it because uh, the the American public thinks different than Democrats. The latest tip poll, even Democrats want budget cuts. Uh, here it is, uh, the May online tip poll taken May 3rd through the 5th with a margin of error of 2.6 percentage points, asked 1,480 adults across the country the following questions. At $3.1 trillion and rising, the U.S. government debt is close to its ceiling. The legal limit before all non-essential government functions must be shut down. Which of the following is the closest to your position in dealing with the problem? There were three uh, multiple-choice answers. The first represents the president's basic negotiating position as of late April, and because they did this beginning of May, but it's also his position now. Mm-hmm. Congress should raise the debt ceiling with no controls on spending. That is both the Democrat leadership position and the president. The second response, uh, response represents a negotiating position of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the Republican lawmakers. Congress should raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion in exchange for $5 trillion in cuts over the next decade as proposed by the House Speaker, end of quote. The third response, and I don't think they should have thrown this in here. I think they could have thrown it in as a question afterwards, but they did. Third response, if President Biden and Congress can't make a deal, Congress should do nothing and let non-essential parts of the government shut down. 46% agreed that the Kevin McCarthy plan was better. 
28% said if the two sides can't agree, Congress should, should, should just let the non-essential parts of the government close until a deal is struck. Well, that 28% is extremely close to that 46%. Because if you believe that it should be the Biden approach, you don't think government should shut down at all. Mm. So you basically have two-thirds, over two-thirds of Americans who believe that Kevin McCarthy and his plan is the better plan, and if they don't agree, you shut down the government. And only 27% take Biden's take-it-or-leave-it plan. That's one of the reasons right now that you had Democrats saying over the last week, week and a half, that the president should negotiate with Republicans. That's why they have come out. Now, another question that was asked. Here we go. Uh, they talked about uh, taxes. Three, uh, three uh, possible, uh, three questions that you can answer. The federal government spends too much and needs to make cuts. That was statement number one. Which one do you agree with more? Mm. Number two, the federal government doesn't spend enough and needs to spend more. Number three, the federal government spending is about the right amount. Number one, the federal government spends too much and needs to make cuts. 56% support. 17% said the federal government doesn't spend enough and needs to spend more. 12% the federal government spending is about the right amount. That's why they're saying he needs to negotiate. On taxes, a clear majority thinks the government spends uh, too much and wants spending cuts. The final question, this one about taxes, specifically we asked, do you support or oppose higher taxes to help pay more spending by the federal government? Once again, Americans... 59% oppose higher taxes. 20% say they oppose them somewhat. And you know what that means when 20% say that. Yeah. That means tax the rich, but not me. Right. So Tax if, somebody right. and make it not affect me at all. Tax somebody else and make sure that it never affects me. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, let me get this right. Fifty-nine percent oppose higher taxes, with twenty percent saying they opposed uh, them somewhat, and thirty-nine percent saying that they oppose them strongly. Just thirty-two percent said they would support higher taxes, but the breakdown uh, showed fourteen percent said their support was strong, while a larger portion, eighteen percent, said they support tax hikes only somewhat strongly. That eighteen percent and that twenty percent are basically the same people. What they're saying is, don't tax me, tax the rich. Yeah. But 79% of, of uh, Republicans say, don't tax. 40% of Democrats don't tax. Independents, 60% don't tax. So there you go. Yeah. That, that is why you've had Democrats peeling off 
from the president's position. Because the public is saying no. And the only reason the public is saying no now is because finally, really for the first time in American history, when you think about it, uh, our debt is so great and we have spent so much. And I guess maybe not because you could look at the 70s and say the same thing really happened. Uh, But our debt is much uh, greater now than it was back then. But what you have is that it's no longer, spending is no longer abstract. There is a correlation that people now understand. The reason we're having trouble right now is because we, we're working a job and a half or two jobs. I'm working. My spouse is working. And we've got, we, were, we have to get both, believe we have to get another part-time job and we still can't make it. That may be a little bit of the difference between now and the 70s. The 70s, there was actually more unemployment. Yeah. You know, you yeah. actually had more unemployment during that time yeah. that you have here. And what I've always thought is inflation is always worse than a recession, especially the inflation we've seen now. Because if you are if you have a recession, and not that you didn't have inflation problems back then, but when you have a recession, uh, you have most of the time, you still have 90% of the people who want a job that are working. And so they're doing okay. And odds are in a recession, you have lower inflation. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so inflation is bad because, hey, like right now, everybody who really wants a job has a job. But mm-hmm. they still can't make it. That's why, and the Democrats, for example, can't wrap their heads around it, or maybe they can and just choose to ignore it, but they do it at their own peril, is they basically are out there saying, the economy's great. People have jobs. You can have more than one job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're having problems. Your own economy is bad. Because people don't judge the economy by necessarily the figures that are thrown out each and every month. They judge it by the situation that they're in. Yep. And it doesn't matter if they're working two. If they're working one job and they're able to afford things much easier, the economy's great. If they're working two jobs, it doesn't necessarily make the economy great. If they still can't make it, it makes the economy bad. Their economic situation is bad. And they look at it and say, what was the cause of this? Oh, inflation. Oh, the government caused it. Well, that's bad. We don't approve of it. The government is not handling the economy correctly. Yeah. 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 Uh, Going through the pain changes the numbers. (laughs) You know, when you have, uh, look, when you have a, a public more and more that will say, and we thought there was a learning, you know, um, some kind of a, a point at which the American public had learned something, really, uh, from the child, the, the expanded child tax credit. And the survey that came out was, yeah, we can't keep this up. We can't keep adding. We can't keep spending like this and adding more to the debt. And then it wasn't what several months later. No, we want you to spend more. Yeah, <laughs> because and the difference is is because people were drowning. Yeah, and 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 that's the way it is when and they still are, and they want help from anybody and everybody, and it's always big government is always the answer. I want to spend the the money that you know from that that 
is going to be repaid, if it's ever going to be repaid, by people that aren't born yet. And we talk about the ignorance, which is the lack of knowledge, not stupid, but you're not stupid. But if you're ignorant, you have the lack of knowledge on it that the what is the vast majority of Republicans and Democrats believe you can balance the budget and yeah. solve all the problems by just getting rid of foreign aid and wasteful spending. Right. And you can't. No, that's that's a that, that's a falsehood. That's a blip. That, that that's a populist opinion that's right. held out there. Right. And right. it's not true. Right. It just isn't true. Right. Entitlements are going to overwhelm us. Yep. Why? Non-racist mathematics. There you go. <laughs> this math, the effect of this math actually does give me feelings. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. If you want to put feelings in math, let's talk about the national debt. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So I drive home, go to sleep, wake up. By the time I wake up, they're, they're going to The be, world could be on fire. The, because Comer does the press conference at 9 a.m. Uh, uh, Eastern. That's 8 a.m. Central. I won't even... It'll be going on, or it'll be ended by the time I get up at mm. 9.30, 10 o'clock, and go straight to YouTube uh, and and find out you know, uh, what this flow chart of LLCs uh, of uh, payments going from foreign governments to the Biden family looks like. And as we stated, and you can't overstate this, I'm, I'm just amazed. I remember Watergate. And once you got to the point in Watergate, there was a lot of excitement. I mean, there was, I mean, people were paying attention. Every, it seemed everybody was. Yeah, yeah, er, yeah. Er, everybody was. This here today possibly could be the beginning of the end of the Biden administration. And there's crickets from the left on it. Right. And everybody knows what might be coming, and it's still crickets. Yeah. Amazing. Well, the Thursday show is going to be wild. It won't be crickets. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.